0: When Rachel was in grade 7, she kept a diary. And she wrote in it, even when she probably should have been paying attention to other things.
1: I'm in science
2: right now. We're learning about atoms. Who cares about atoms? We're made of something.
1: Done. Period. End of story.
0: That's Rachel reading from the diary she kept in grade 7. I'm Dan Meisner. And this? This, right now is Grown Ups so Read Things They Wrote As Kids. How are you doing tonight? It is very, very nice to see you. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time recorded live in Toronto in partnership with the Word on the Street Festival, we have an open letter to all the boys in the world, a tragic story about a chicken, a critical look at a Weird Al concert, and much, much more. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and it can help us understand who we are. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around.
3: This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean
1: Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and
3: head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
0: When Jane was in grade 9, on the very first day of school, her teacher gave the class an assignment. Write a letter to your future self. And the idea was these letters would be sealed up for a couple of years and then delivered back to each student at the end of high school when they were just about to graduate. Kind of a neat idea. Thing is, Jane did not actually receive the letter at the end of high school. She got it this year, 20 years later. <laughs> Please welcome Jane to the Grown-Ups Three Things They Wrote As Kids stage. Dear
4: Jane, I wonder if this letter is coming as a surprise to you. Right now, 1998, Lynn almost has a job at the mall, and Jazz is dating Candace. Joe is his best friend, and Ron still has me crushing on him. Janet is trying to hook me up with this guy we met yesterday named Craig. Remember your rule. You must know him extremely well and be his friend before you date him. Your age or older and taller than you. Did you ever grow? Is your handwriting the same or does it look like mom's yet? (laughs) Lynn's on this huge dad-hating thing. I think she really does hate him and it scares me. Has she moved out? Is she a gym teacher or a coroner or into biology? (laughs) Did she get into college? Lynn says, I'm a tv holic since I love my shows. Third Rock from the Sun, Seinfeld, X-Files, David Duchovny, Ally McBeal, Frasier, a bit of Friends, Simpson, South Park, yada, yada, yada. Did you ever get anywhere with acting and arts? Who are you still friends with? Lindsay sits beside you and Lucy and I are still really good friends. Have you lost weight? Have you met a really good boyfriend? Do you know what you want to be yet? Right now, I have no idea. How did high school dirt out? Do you still cry a lot? <laughs> Do and jazz still bug you? This is my first day of school, and the only thing I'm more scared of, other than bad grades, is older students. Initiation. Are you still a virgin? How far have you gone? Do you still regret Frenching Dave? How's mom and dad? Is he still a carpenter? How's mom? Is she still complaining about how she can't take the pressure of work anymore? Does she still work at the hospital? Do they still make the bed creak at night? Ugh. How are Oma and Opa? Right now, Opa is dating Shirley. Have they gotten married? Is Oma seeing anyone? How are Grampy and Amelia? Have you guys gotten any closer to Grampy? He's actually come by a few times to visit lately. Lynn, Jazz, and I never talked to him, though I wish we would. How much money you got in your bank account? I have about $1,180. How much you got now? What's life like? I mean, fast pace? Is the risk of skin cancer worse? Do you have long summers, long winters? Acid rain? (laughs) Have you gotten to go anywhere outside of Ontario for a summer trip? Have you traveled anywhere other than the USA? Right now, I'm kind of worried about who I'm going to hang out with. Do you hang out with a lot of people? Do you have a certain group? After Lynn's grade 8 class went to Reggie, they all split up and got their own groups. I really don't know what's going to happen with our group. It seems like we all depend on each other and are afraid to let go. Do we ever let go? I wish I could know what you were thinking when you read this. I wanna know the answers to all my questions, but I'm gonna have to wait four years to find out. That means when I'm 18, holy I'm old. Soon I'll legally be able to go to bars. Just wondering, but does my appearance change or do I still look the same? Do I need glasses yet? Am I much taller? I'm only about 5'3 now. It sucks to be short. I'm really attracted to guys with dark eyes or hazel or green, but I don't like guys with blue eyes. I hate my blue eyes. Uh Uh-oh, it's 5.09 and The Simpsons is on. I'll write later, bye. My favorite books are mom's five Harlequin romances, Touch the Wind, The Sins of Rachel Ellis, and Lynn's book, Wolf Moon, about the witch finding the werewolf. Are you still into that stuff? Witches, vampires, spells, and hexes? Halloween is my favorite holiday. Do you still love it? I hope I haven't changed that much. Well, have fun in the future and remember all the good times I had and that I don't think you wasted your life if any of the answers to my questions were positive. All my love, Jane, you're one and only. Thank you.
0: Jane, do you still regret Frenching Dave?
5: Yes.
0: (laughs) Our next reader, Anne, brought a short piece of fiction. But not just any short piece of fiction. Anne brought the very first story she ever wrote. This was written at age four... It is about a chicken who is very poor. It is written under a pseudonym, and correct me if I am wrong, but it's framed like a picture. Please welcome to our stage, Anne.
3: Once upon a time, there lived a chicken who was really poor. He didn't have any money and had nowhere to live. He didn't have any food or a car. And he was really crying hard, so hard that he cried his head off and his eyes out. He was on the sidewalk combing his hair with his own wishbone. No, someone else's wishbone. One day, someone gave him an ice cream cone. The chicken worked and worked and worked and worked to earn money, but he didn't get it because they didn't have any money and the money machine ran out of money. (laughs) They is also written in capital, so I'm assuming I meant the man. (laughs) One day Donald Duck came and asked, do you want a ride home? The chicken said, I don't have a home. How can I have a ride home when I don't even have a home? Then the chicken came home to his tent on the sidewalk. He found his wife dead because they didn't have any food. The children were still alive because they had a special potion someone gave to them. Then Donald Duck called up and said, Tomorrow, you'll get some money. You'll get a hundred bucks and more money. Then he said, and more and more and more money so you can get an ice cream cone and everything else you want. And when you want Mrs. Chicken back, you'll get her back because this is just a story and we can do whatever we want. (laughs) And sometimes when you have rags instead of clothes, don't be afraid and don't run away like sometimes Mrs. Chicken gets running away. Then the music came on. La la, la la. (laughs) The words were, here comes the bride, all dressed in white. Here comes the bride, all dressed in white. But the end of the story went, blah, 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 because the storyteller ran out of words. But the chicken and his wife lived happily ever after. Amen.
0: I love it when a story has a positive moral message that we can all learn from. Our next reader, Vicki, shared a couple of selections from the diary she kept in high school. We're also going to hear what she describes as an open letter to all the boys in the world. Please welcome Vicky to the Garnup up Street things They Wrote As Kids stage.
2: Sunday, October 30th. Tomorrow is Halloween. To which I say, so what? <laughs> I doubt I'm going out. Probably gonna be stuck at home, handing out candy, and acting fascinated by kids' costumes. Aw, don't you look darling, is what I will say, when I am thinking, this kid is dressed as Luke Skywalker, he'll never get laid. (laughs) All in the name of fun. I am now in Robert's Library, which you will recall from my childhood as the turkey. I am doing, or before, before I got sidetracked, doing research. Stupid independent studies unit. I hate doing actual work. I'm so much better at just completing the motions, nodding at my teachers, adjusting my face, range from confused to bemused to stern concentration, scribbling like I'm paying complete attention, staying one step ahead when taking up homework. The path of least energy. Now I've been in the library for four hours. That's how long it takes Dan to spell pencil properly. Ha! (laughs) See what the library has done to me? Of course you can't see. You're a book. I have a test tomorrow that I'm actually quite worried about. That'll teach me to watch 16 Candles instead of studying. Actually, no it won't. John Hughes is my real daddy, and Jake Ryan is my lover. (laughs) And young Cusack, brackets John, as the nerdy friend equals hoot times infinity. Man, that was fun to write. <laughs> Tuesday, November first. Woohoo! Population theories are exciting. I just want to dance naked to music that to the music that is population theories. <laughs> This class is like sensory deprivation and a sleeping pill in a 12 by 11 room. (laughs) Would you believe believe I've yet to get my driver's license? Well, not for long, chum. I I will be, by Monday, a card-carrying member of the road. Here ends my pedestrianism and passengerism. (laughs) And by here, I mean Monday. Then Sarah's dad will get me that driving instructor who will help me fraud the system. <laughs> and ha <laughs> I will be terrorizing the road. Oh boy, I need to do my laundry and perhaps go shopping for new clothes. But I hate the mall and I hate Uncle Jamie. Maybe I'll journey to St. Catharines instead. I still don't have my driver's license, by the way. Uh, <laughs> An open letter to the boys of the world. I love you all. I, I truly do. But I've noticed something you all have in common. Why is it that when a girl tells you that she likes you, you act like it was just announced that you and you alone are the ultimate sex god of the earth? Just saying is all. You are cool until a girl or a guy, we are equal opportunity over here, likes you in that way. Then you become a flaming jackass. Like women should bow to you for you are heaven on earth and by God, (laughs) clear a path for you uh, when you walk in because of the perfection that you are. But here's the problem no one cares. Unless you've got Angelina Jolie and Lindsay Lohan fighting over you, no one cares. My advice, unless someone asks you, shut up. That's it. Simple as that. Thank you for listening. Vix. Thank you.
0: It's common for adults to ask kids what they want to be when they grow up, and it's common for adults to ask teenagers what they plan to do after they're finished school if they'll go to college, go to university, go get a job. Our next reader, Robin, shared some writing from when he was 18, at a time in his life when he was contemplating his own future. Robin knew that he wanted to write, but as he says, he was
6: trying to decide whether I should disappoint my parents and write fiction. Or disappoint them even more and write poetry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And at our Toronto show, we were lucky enough to hear both. We'll hear some of Robin's poetry in a minute, but first, a short story written at 18, all about two brothers.
6: Two brothers, one is older than the other. Then bursting from the silence, and even at this late hour, there are the voices of two children. One of them says... It's looking like the devil laughing and crying at the same time. No, no, no. To me, it looked like an old man going to dead. And he touching his family hands all around him. Look, now it change. Everybody leaving. And, and the old man, the hand moving, He getting up. In the stillness of the night, his frightened voice pleads. It's so late. Everybody must be sleeping by now. Why we don't go home? You remember what happened the last time we stayed out so late? The other voice, older, more confident, says, No, not yet. Look at it now. It's a snake. A snake turning into a beautiful lady. All the body changing, but not the head. (laughs) The older brother is not the best of... uh... And she pointing this way, right at you, <laughs> right in the center of your belly. He laughs at his younger brother. I hear somebody call in, the younger one says. Listen, put your hand around your ears and you will hear too. Somebody calling us to go inside now. Call in, the older one says. That is only the breeze blowing through the trees. Aha, uh-huh. look at it now. It changed again. A little child, just born in a hospital, with fat hands pointing up to the ceiling, and eyes blinking to keep away the light. It's a pretty little child, the younger voice says. So cute, the older one adds. Yes, but it looks as though it have smoke in the hospital. A little bit at first, but crawling through the window, Nobody noticed, but the smoke piling up. Everybody going to die. (laughs) Brothers, you know. (laughs) So the second one, it's... um, I wrote it at a time when I was kind of influenced by people like Coleridge and so on. And this is about a refuge. The refuge it grew and flourished for 5,000 years or so. The land was never tarnished with famine or with snow. I never seen snow at that time. (laughs) Hence, hence tarnished. (laughs) But no one knew it then, how long this thing would last. The world was filled with men, Whose troubles were now past. But a few remembered dimly a land beyond this land, a place where none was free and shackles graced the hand, a place where men grew weary of playing life's own game. There's little left to see, all things are but the same. One being controls a million both mine and thine soul. Those who know have left, the rest are in the fold. Well, I decided to stick with friction, thankfully.
0: (laughs) One more time for Robin. fans of drama class in the room? Anybody grow up? Okay. I figured there might be a few. When Erica was in high school, one of the things she had to do for drama class was put together a portfolio that included uh, reviews and criticism of plays. Erica figured that she was a pretty hotshot critic at the time and has collected some of these theater reviews (laughs) We're going to hear from you tonight. Please welcome Erica back to our stage.
1: Love on Maine. Before I talk about this musical, I have to talk about its ticket price. (laughs) $10 is ridiculously expensive, especially for a high school crowd. Good theater should be available for everyone to enjoy. And I believe, mm-hmm, had they lowered their price, they could have had more made more money than they did. Um, I felt bad about their stage, and while well, the plot was really repetitive, one person seduces another, and then that one seduces someone else, and it just turns into a circle of seduction. <sighs> I did think it was interesting how each character differed in their seductive methods, the hooker being bold, while the undergraduate tries to be sly <laughs> um, there w- the stage was simple and while it worked at the Kippewa theater and the performance center, it just looked too small. Though a good lighting technique was used with a red light flashing on, it sort of symbolized a back-to-reality image after the lovers had uh, fulfilled their dreams. (laughs) (laughs) But it was sad that in every situation someone always got hurt. The music was wonderful. Uh, Sherry Brown had a fantastic voice. I didn't quite see the deep need of her songs in the play, Uh, but they did sort of represent everyone's ideal vision of love that's used in songs. Maybe it showed us that the characters were really fooling themselves to believe that they were really in love with each other. And I'm going to finish with um, a concert I attended. I thought I would mention a Weird Al concert I saw a few days ago. (laughs) Yes, he is just singing, not acting, but it is a stage performance, and Weird Al is the best in entertaining as far as that goes. He catches your attention by his wacky hair and huge glasses, and as you listen to his cover songs, each one tells an intriguing story. The theme of Titanic is sung about a wayward pizza man, A man's love of obesity is sung to the tune of Michael Jackson's Who's Bad? Weird Al keeps the songs rolling with the high interest through his strange and witty remarks, (laughs) plus an accordion. His stage presence is huge as he appears each time as Elvis or Obi-Wan Kenobi, always something different done in record time. And in between costume changes, he shows short videos or movie previews soon to come with headings like 60% chance of rain or yes, it's dirt. He brings an entirely different approach to the entertainment industry. (laughs) Though, in some cases, he does tend to push it. He had this one song intro that was getting interrupted by the pianist's dramatic playing. (laughs) At one point, Weird Al gets so fed up, he takes out a fake pistol and shoots. The pianist falls on the ground instantly, and the whole crowd begins to cheer. But I had to stop myself, as I caught myself laughing because someone had been shot. (laughs) Suddenly, the humor was lost as he went into a song about the night Santa went crazy. It's interesting how if an extra gets shot in a film, you barely flinch, but a death on stage is just too real and serious. <laughs> Though I still think Weird Al's a great comedian, he doesn't need to shoot people to be entertaining. Thank
5: you.
0: This just in, high school student impressed by Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> That is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Our show was recorded live at the Royal Cinema in Toronto in partnership with The Word on the Street and was produced by Jenna Meisner. Olivia Nashmi is our associate producer. Our music is by Poddington Bear and Lullatone. Our closing theme is Oh Dear Diary by Sloan. Special thanks this time to David and Maya at The Word on the Street. Many of the readers at our Toronto show continue to write as adults and were featured authors at the 2018 Word on the Street Festival in Toronto. I've put links to their work in the episode notes, which should be on your device right now. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening.
4: still make the bed creak at night. Ugh.